0: Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Today's guest is Tremaine Brown, who you might remember from our April 27th show during the shutdown. Tremaine is the owner of Shiley's Barbecue and Soul Food Cafe on 3rd Street, and it was an honor to finally get the chance to sit down with him in person for a full interview. You know, at the end of every year, the Emerald Globe News names its man and woman of the year, and I think Tremaine ought to be part of that conversation for 2020. During the pandemic, through Shylees, Tremaine's kids' free lunch program fed more than 80,000 area kids, and it only stopped last week when AISD announced that it would expand its free lunch program throughout the city, and that's an announcement that happened after our interview. And then in September and October of this year, Tremaine led efforts to remove tens of thousands of pounds of trash from neighborhoods in North Amarillo. In the process of doing all those things, feeding so many kids, removing all that trash, Tremaine has become a community leader, a highly respected community leader. And it was an honor to sit down with him to hear his story. So here's Tremaine Brown. Tremaine Brown, welcome to the Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Well, I know that we've talked in the past, and that was for a, a different kind of episode back in the spring when we were doing some COVID coverage, but I'm, I'm honored to have you here for a full sit-down interview, so thanks for being here. Thank you. Uh, I want st- to start the same place I start with all of my other guests, which is to ask you how you ended up here in Amarillo in the first place. So what brought you to this area? Well,
1: I was born and raised in uh, Childress, Texas. Uh, just up 187 and uh, that seems to be the natural progression of things that at an early age I uh, my family uh, aunts uncles cousins I was an only child for a long time uh, all migrated this direction and uh, so in my early childhood I I did go to school at several of the elementary schools here, went to middle school at Travis and and finally high school at Palo
0: Okay, so you moved here when you were pretty young? Yeah. Do you uh, remember much of Childress? Oh, absolutely.
1: uh, I spent every summer in Childress uh, up until I was in, in my teen years. My grandmother was a very influential person in my life, and she had a little farm in Childress where... Uh, we literally only went to the grocery store for pantyhose. I mean, she, <laughs> everything, everything else, was- else was grown, fresh, chickens. Uh, it was kind of sad sometimes I had named all the chickens and old Charlie. And that's even before I knew uh, all chickens were females. Uh, old Bob got snatched up and, <laughs> and was in the pot that evening. So, yeah, that's uh I had to come to grips with. Uh yeah, some of these guys aren't gonna be here tomorrow.
0: Well, it's it's a valuable thing though to know where your food comes from. I Absol- guess
1: absolutely, and that fre- you can't beat fresh, everything fresh off the tree, everything fresh out of a garden, everything fresh kill.
0: Do you know how your family ended up in Childress or in Texas? I mean, do you know much about that history?
1: Um, yes, my my grandmother she was born in Dodge City in 1924, and She met a man, and that's where my lineage all kind of started. Uh, My grandmother uh, subsequently ended up uh, burying seven husbands. Wow. So uh, I had a lot of grandfathers that weren't grandfathers biologically. My biological grandfather, I really don't know much about that side of the family, but uh, my mother and father— both lived and grew up in Childress. So,
0: do you do you remember much about, you know, moving from Childress to Amarillo? That's a pretty different environment. I mean, Childress is is bigger than some towns, you know, along um, two eighty seven, but it's you know it's still pretty small. Do you remember like a big difference once you arrived here?
1: Oh, absolutely. When and and see, <laughs> Childress has grown leaps and bounds uh, since the time that I was there. Uh, they were a dry county. Uh, didn't have any alcohol. Had one grocery store. Didn't have a, a United or anything like that. A Walmart. None of that. Uh, so back then there was probably close to uh, maybe a thousand, if that. And now they're hustling, bustling. Yeah. Uh, uh, Thirty-five hundred, maybe. So they've they've grown a lot. But yeah, it was a. It was a a, bi- a huge change. Uh, it was just really for kids. It's an excitement type of thing. Uh, I'm sure my parents and my aunts and uncles were 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 thinking uh, along a whole different set of lines. But yeah, it was fun because you get here and and there's skating rinks and there's mm-hmm. bowling alleys and movie theaters. There's none of that in childrens. So you know that was that was a that was a change. And then you know you, the the schools were a lot bigger and and uh sports and and all just all the the entertainment for kids was a lot uh more involved so yeah that was a that was a good change and and I was excited about it. I ended up uh being an athlete uh uh as well so you know uh being here gave me the opportunity for that exposure
0: what did you have in mind you know once you graduated from high school did you did you have a plan? <clears throat>
1: Well, I got a full ride scholarship to the University of Texas in Austin and I was, Okay. I played football for Austin uh in Austin for my my 5 years. I studied uh double major mechanical electrical engineering. Uh didn't finish my degree me and some uh football buddies ended up moving out to Odessa and uh we started a Fitness Center, Millennium 3 Sports and Fitness. It was uh, not your conventional uh, fitness center. Uh, It was more of a sports fitness center. We concentrated on uh, sports camps, uh, and uh, we didn't really teach you the actual disciplines of any particular sport. We just taught you how to use your body uh, better for any particular sport. Upper body plyometrics is the same for golf Baseball, tennis, mm-hmm. you know, swinging a bat, swinging a tennis club, swinging a, a golf club, tennis racket. Same thing with uh, your lower body plyometrics. Explosion from the legs is the same as a alignment as it is for a center jumping up and getting rebounds. So we uh, concentrated on sports camps because I knew a lot of kids. Uh, when My time in Austin, kids all around the state would get a chance to come to the UT camp. For weekend Thursday through Sunday, Mm -hmm. parents uh, uh, who could afford uh, that lump sum of money to send their kids uh, up to meet some actual UT players and meet the UT coaches and things of that nature, we were certified uh, from UT, and we brought that to the Odessa area. And I mean, still today, at that time, Odessa was the football mecca of the world yeah. uh and uh still to this day uh, close to 25% of uh people who make it to the NFL are from Texas so hmm. uh football's huge in that midland uh odessa uh area so we really uh captured some of that excitement you know it's a it's a big thing to Be a starter on Odessa Permian or Midland Lee. So if if we could get your son's forty times shaved down, you know, uh, a few seconds through one of our you know mini camps for the same amount of money you went to UT for four days, we'd give you four to six weeks, and you know we'd guarantee that that same type of a result. And uh, a lot of people were pleased and, and we touched uh, uh, several careers. Cedric Benson came through our our training program as well as uh, Roy Williams. Mm-hmm. so we, uh, we had some had some impact there.
0: was, was the experience you know you, you mentioned playing D1 at, at Texas was it? Everything that you hoped it would be—I mean, was was it a it good was, experience for you? It
1: was. It was. It was wonderful. Uh, me and my mother—we had already done some extensive traveling and moving uh, around the country. I had already lived in a few states: uh, Colorado, Arizona, California. That exposure to that travel—I uh, was. I was a redshirt freshman, so I was on a five-year uh, right. type of plan. But I was one of those redshirt freshmen that were good enough to be on that travel squad. So I got to travel all five years. Uh, we went to Hawaii, spent a, uh, six days in Hawaii. So that was a, an amazing trip. Of course, we had a bowl, bowl game down in El Paso and bowl game down in New Orleans. I had traveled to all these places before, but... Uh, just being involved in that college life, and you could tell that some of the guys had never been out of Gladewater, Texas. Oh, I, or, yeah, imagine you know. So you know that camaraderie and being able to you know share that experience with a, a bunch of guys from different walks of life is is what it's really about. So that was really that was really fun. We we had a really good time. We were always that that uh, nine and three, ten and two kind of team. We never could. Get over the hump to where we were the the talk.
0: Yeah. But, it was a pretty uh, standard U T football yeah. team though. You know, right. always successful.
1: Right, right, yeah. That was uh one of the uh reasons I, I you know chose UT. I was I was recruited all over the country, but uh one reason is because I knew my grandmother wasn't ever gonna get on an airplane. Okay. So <laughs> if she her, wanted to watch you play, you needed gonna, to stick around. Yeah, if she was gonna get get a chance to watch me to play then I I probably need to just stay somewhere kind of close. And, uh, you know, I got to, you know, take some recruiting trips up to Notre Dame, went to uh, UCLA, USC, Baylor, and uh, Texas. So uh, that was an experience in itself as a high school senior. You know, uh, uh, being able to uh, travel and and, uh, being, you know, recruited, that whole process. So was, was fun
0: you you mentioned you know the the work the business that that you and some teammates started in Midland Odessa, obviously that's very different from what you're doing now so so tell me how you ended up coming back to this area
1: well uh after that business uh went down, there was another uh, a situation that happened that caused that business to start to decline. Many people will remember uh nine eleven mm-hmm. uh, that's when uh, everybody uh, really panicked and, and thought the world was finna end and gas shortages. Mm-hmm. And
0: and the, in Midland, Odessa, that's a, oh, huge, yeah. that's a huge, huge, huge part economy. of their
1: economy. So, yeah, the, the pulling of the purse strings happened immediately. And uh, so that was the demise of that business. I went back to uh, Austin, lived for s- several more years, tried some other small business ventures. Uh, nothing worth even mentioning, but... Uh, ultimately, came back to uh, Amarillo to help my my grandmother because we had to put together as a family a plan to move her from Children's. Okay, because at eighty something years old, she was still a busybody, and she'd call me. You know, every every couple of weeks and honey, can you send me fifty dollars? I just had to kill a rattlesnake in the garden. I'm like, Oh my god, why are you out there in the yeah. garden? Uh uh you know, one of her dogs, her dog named Baby, he had three legs just because he saved her one time before. Man. Uh uh with the rattlesnake, uh he got bit. So yeah, we had to make a plan to get her Tamarilla with the rest of the family. That was ultim- ultimately why why I moved back to Amarillo.
0: Did Shilee's was was that something that had been you know in your in your thoughts for a while, moving in that direction, or did you like have any idea that you'd end up with a restaurant and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, people always ask me. Um, they always ask my mom. I don't know what she says, but this uh, owning this restaurant has always been my dream. Okay, I've cooked for hundreds uh, when we were at UT. Uh, during the the bowl season, we'd have to miss our family because we were, you know, hopefully we were practicing for one of those New Year's, you know, day, New Year's Eve bowls. But, you know, usually it was something around Christmas or something. So we were all missing our uh, families during that time. And I was one of the guys that had an apartment off campus and, i i just cooked for hundreds of people well, already a college student who yeah. can
0: cook is yeah. is already yeah. popular
1: you know yeah. so uh and and cooking for 2 and 300 pound men yeah. is 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 a skill so i knew early on that i i wanted to do something like that i've been cooking all my life uh, years and years before Shali's, uh even came about we we looked at several buildings and and nothing ever uh, materialized so I, I just went to work in the, in the private sector. I worked uh, a few different places, ended up at a TPA and, and was getting paid pretty good money. And everything seemed to be coming together really great. And then this little building fell into our lap. Hmm. Well, actually, a true story, my mother, I said, well, you know, you can uh, start fixing plates out of the house. And I'm up here in this big office building. I'll take orders all before lunch. We got a nice little, you know, selection. And I'll use my lunch hour to, you know, fulfill these orders and mm-hmm. make some money. And we had a line. City caught on.
0: Uh, that's, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. See, yes and no-no. We were trying to follow in the lines of... Uh, Mama Ruby's. Yeah. Because yeah. right over there in that legendary place. Right. She was right over there on 12th Street. So we were right around the corner from her house. No, we knew that it was a no-no. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a lot of licensing on. and yeah, stuff they wanted to Mama Ruby's have. got grand grand grandfather closed in yeah. and, and was able to do her thing. And yeah, we were we knew we were doing wrong. But uh nonetheless, we did it. Then after that kind of got shut down, but we we saw the success of it all. That building came into play, and you know, I left. I left a job that was was paying me real good, but uh, you know, you got to follow your dreams, and uh, that's what we did. That little bitty place over there on Southwest Third is has been around for ten years. Yeah, now. I should say,
0: what year did it open? Yeah, twenty ten. Okay.
1: Yeah, I had my daughter in twenty thirteen, and she grew up. We were already, you know, a good three years into it at that point. Yeah, we started in 2010, so this year COVID COVID nineteen year would have been our 10 uh, year anniversary. Had a huge park uh, day of fun planned, you know, customer appreciation kind of thing, but no.
0: And yet, I think probably more people in Amarillo know about Shylees or at least know about you, because of how you responded to COVID because you know from the beginning you've, you've always I know you've always been really involved in the community you've always supported school kids and helped out with school supplies and all that stuff but this presented an opportunity really to to dig deeper into that and so from the beginning you were uh, you were providing lunches for the kids who weren't in school and it started moving into more activism in the community so tell me a little bit about that, uh, I guess that mindset that you have about not just running this family business and making some money and doing something you love, but doing it also for the benefit of the community.
1: Well, the the truth of the matter is the day that changed everything was uh, May 13th, 2013. Uh, that's the day I became a single father and uh, left the hospital with the baby hmm. and, uh, You know, coincidentally, a baby that's still to this day has never seen her mother. But, uh, you know, so I'm a single father in every sense of the word. I don't even have the luxury of another side of the family to, uh, you know, help with the child, which doesn't bother me, but I know it bothers my daughter, and, mm-hmm. you know, that bothers me. Well,
0: and that's a very different story, too. Than, right. I mean, we hear a lot about single moms and the dads right. take off, but, right. you know, you're in the position as a dad raising a daughter.
1: Absolutely. Seven, seven plus years now, we've uh, been fighting the good fight. And if you got kids, you know what, what fight I'm talking about, especially at this age. They uh what is it uh inquisitive minds want to know they have yeah. a question for every single thing you got to say but that's when it all started i um i was in charge of uh of a life and uh i wanted to do my best uh to try to uh, inspire that life and teach that life and uh, uh guide that life uh the best of my ability and that's when i started my very first Christmas Toy Drive. Okay. And where this Christmas will be the 8th annual Christmas Toy Drive, and we're closing in on a half a million toys given out of that little bitty place. Mm -hmm. We visit the local hospitals, Ronald McDonald House, Salvation Army, Martha's Home. And uh, at the end of October when we finish the Trunk or Treat, I start passing out gifts to families all over the Panhandle. From the city of Panhandle to as far as Vega, I've traveled just showing up on doorsteps uh people message me on Facebook and say hey my sister-in-law is having a rough time she has three kids okay send me the information how old they are what they like and then here I go showing up on somebody's doorstep big black man who is that out there I got Santa Claus slow. yeah so uh that's where it, that's where it all began we went to uh both both local hospitals on Christmas Day and, and that's been a tradition since my daughter was born. I thought that was a really, really good thing for her to not grow up uh so materialistic want, 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 mm-hmm. and not know how to at least uh give a little bit of yourself and your time and and uh and then it kinda snowballed into some other things. I, I started a way before this pandemic. I had a, a lunch program that came uh, during spring break. Me and my daughter before she was even in school. She was two, walking around. We live by the park. We go to the park. Her and my neighbor's little granddaughter. You know, I fire up a little one of them little hibachi grill. Yeah. one little pack of hot dogs. I have a pack of buns. There's eight and eight. Good deal. Just we'll waste them all. Be some dogs to, but. That's not what happened. There was all sorts of little kids uh there at the park and, what park was it? Uh Bones Hooks Bones park. Hooks, okay. Yeah. Uh there were kids there and they're looking at my daughter and, and her little friend with a hot dog and I'm like, I never uh, uh been the kind of person that watch another person uh go without, you know, especially a kid, so that's when it all started. I'd go ask the parents, hey, can your kids, you know, enjoy one of these hot dogs with my kids? And so I, I noticed during spring break, there'd be a lot of more kids at their own devices. And then it kind of clicked like, oh, well, they don't get breakfast and lunch anymore at school. And some of them were already not getting uh, 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 dinner. So uh, they they're probably starving. So I started my whole Facebook following and Uh, I'm at Bones Hooks. Any kids want to come out? Send your kids. Bring your kids. We're having hot dogs. Chicken legs are their favorite. Having chicken legs today, sometimes 50 show up, sometimes 500 show up. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that went on into the summer because my mind was just like, well, if they're missing during spring break, they're missing them during summer. And then a lot of – I grew up with the – Emerald Park and Recreation's lunch program. Yeah. And that isn't as widespread as it used to be uh, anymore. So they kind of pick and choose which parks they're going to do this year, and that park might not be serviced the next year, and so on and so forth. So uh, I just kind of continued my lunch program throughout the summers. Me and my mom, at that time, we had like a three-on, four-off Type of rotation, so I could I could uh, easily feed the kids in the park two, three, sometimes four times a week. I just show up, and and then you know other parents Facebook following. Like, Will you ever come to Mary Hazel Riggs? Mm-hmm. You don't have a car. It's hard to get over the Bone Suits, and so that that evolved into another thing. I I started. Uh, going to different parks, Mary Hazel Riggs being one, Sam Houston Park, San Jacinto, uh, and around and around neighborhoods uh, that I I knew that there was need, mm-hmm. uh, and and it, it, I just I don't know I just never stopped giving after
0: that. And I, I want to ask about that because you're you're giving you're providing meals, you know, for hundreds and then thousands of kids. You're not a nonprofit, you know, you're a. Uh, A restaurant, and and maybe you have access to, you know, being able to buy food in bulk and stuff like that. But how how are you like how are you affording it? Where's the money coming from to do all of that? You're you're not just an endless supply of funds to buy hot dogs and stuff. You're
1: absolutely right. Uh, The only way I can explain that is the grace of God, because um, there's no other way to explain it. Uh, Sometimes, uh, a couple Easter's ago. We ended up putting out about seventy five thousand Easter eggs, and I was like, "Oh man, we got too many eggs, but then you know, close to three thousand people start coming over the hill, hmm. and I'm like, how are we gonna feed all these people? I got my grill going, and oh uh, miraculously, we fed everybody and had plenty left over and so i don't I don't know how it happens loaves uh, and
0: fishes kind of thing, <laughs> yeah
1: that's exactly that's exactly what it uh you know my mother she's been a tough cookie to, to crack because uh, she didn't uh, really care for all this giving that I was doing because she was, she, she's older. She was uh, born in 56, right in the, you know, that, that era when wasn't good, still not very good right yeah. now, but uh, you know, it was different great, kind you know, of upheaval. Di- yeah. Di- different kind of uh, not good. So um it took a long, long time for her to uh, get on board with any of this, but as long as I wasn't asking her for any money, she was just like, "Well, do whatever you <laughs> do, whatever you want to do." So, uh, uh, you know, I'm really just a vessel. You know, my, my Facebook friends and following, and you know, uh, different companies. Plains Dairy has always helped. Uh, Mrs. Beards, Amarilla Ice. Now there's a few companies that that have reached out to me and uh, given me monetary donations to do as I as I will, and you know I <clears throat> I really live a, a sedentary life. I, I I go to work. I wake up every morning, drink my coffee, take my daughter to school, go to work, come back home, pick her up from my mom's, come home. I, I shop at Walmart mm-hmm. I, all I wear is dicky pants so for I don't have any designer slacks or so I'm, I'm really uh not not frugal but uh I definitely don't need for a, a lavish lifestyle so uh even before my daughter was was born I always would think about how we would go about... You know, getting our restaurant's name out there. Mm-hmm. So right around that three-year time, I uh, used the money that I saved up to do the Christmas toy drive, okay, and then use the money to do the the kids'
0: lunches instead of billboards uh, and ads and stuff bill- like that. You're exactly. you're buying chicken. Yeah, then. it's just
1: a, a double bang because I I get to say my mom's name. Uh, Shali's Barbecue and Soul Food is doing this and kids always, why why you do this all the time? Because I love y'all. That's why. Hey, yeah. I mean, word of and mouth is, is good
0: advertising too.
1: Exactly. So uh that's where my mom, she finally, it finally clicked to her what exactly, you know, what what being blessed is. And uh she's uh she's been better, uh more on board with the things that I I I the stunts that I pull. You know, that's, that's that's how it all started, and then here we go, November 2019, this virus comes about, and uh, nobody, well, it's just, it's nothing, and then bang. Yeah. So spring break happened. Nothing was closed. Nothing was, everything was pretty normal. Uh, this virus was, you know, picking up some steam, though. End of spring break comes, and kids aren't going back to school. That's when I knew it was serious.
0: Mm-hmm. And we thought that might be just a couple of weeks, yeah. even at that time. Even though. at that time,
1: yeah. So I said, well, I didn't get to feed the kids during spring break because they wanted to, you know, try to stabilize the the virus. They had the parks closed. It was like one night you went to sleep and the next morning you woke up and it was a Stephen King novel <laughs> with all the uh, yellow tape around the equipment. Yeah. And just that eerie kind of it's blowing a little bit. And I was like, man, what happened? So you start watching the news and then you start seeing all the devastation up on the East coast and just people losing their life, you know, by the droves. And then it sits in it's like, Oh yeah, this is pretty serious. So when the kids didn't go back to school after spring break, I was like, well, I have to do something. And, uh, that's when uh I went I went to Sam's and I bought I bought about about $600 worth of of supplies. And that was enough for about 400 lunches. There's hot dogs. We started out with hot dogs. That was the easiest thing we could think of and we put six seven other items in the bag, non non-perishable items and kind of give them a snack pack if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh you know they we don't expect a little kid to finish all of those items but it'll definitely buy the parents a little time until they figure out what the next meal is going to be that first day we we ran out of ran out of lunches and that was over 400 so the next day I went to Sam's I spent everything that I had and I don't know how much but the next day it was 1600 lunches that very next day and or around that many for the next ten weeks. Yeah. So uh the police stopped by there. What's going on over here at Shiley's? Why is the traffic stopped both ways on Third Street? You're gonna cause a mess. I was like, I'm doing my best. Come mm-hmm. down here and give me some help. But uh yeah, we like you said, we, we had no idea that it was it was gonna linger on and I'm still serving lunches to yeah. this day. Uh, How many do you think this year? Uh, closing in on 90,000 lunches yeah, wow. uh, so far. I mean, I'm glad that number has went down to 100, sometimes 150, you know, lunches a day. Uh, I I extended the hours so parents that have virtual learners and, and that kind of thing could come. And also a lot of the after-school programs... Uh, uh, were shut down, so uh, gives parents a chance after school to come. I, I do the lunches from around 11, eleven, eleven thirty to four o'clock in the evening. So parents are keep picking up their kids at three thirty, like I do, and kids are hungry now, yeah, because they've had to, due to COVID, they've had to spread the 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 lunch window wider. So some kids are eating lunch at. You know, ten fifteen in yeah, the morning, yeah, and they get out of school. And then and by the time they, yeah, my daughter was never hungry. Now she's starving at at three thirty. So,
0: and e- even you know, as as things went on, we got into the summer. I mean, AISD began looking at their lunch program. You know, there were other organizations that started to see that need too. Um, and and what you ended up doing is is kind of bridging that gap. You know. Because you're just one person, you're a restaurant. You can be pretty nimble and and do whatever. While some of the larger organizations figured out all the procedures to to do it, um, and and it's one of those instances where, you know, you were able to do stuff faster than some of the corporate entities. Yes, um, I, and, and that helped.
1: Yeah, it was. You know, they had started getting on my on my butt about the lunch. Uh, the lunches that I was serving at the parks. Uh, the city caught on when you got 500 people show yeah, up. where's your license? Uh, you know, w- where's the, the city permit? You got to get a permit to do an event in the park, especially involving giving away food. And city officials come down to the restaurant, talk to me. And I was like, you know what? Uh, uh, why can't I be a dad first? Why can't I be a dad in the park that sees other I'm feeding my kid and I see other hungry yeah. kids and I go to their parents and I say, "Hey, you mind if your kid gets a hot dog from me?" And their parents make that judgment call and say, "Yeah, Tremaine, we know you. You've been around, whatever." But the city wants their 25 30 bucks for me to, you know, serve kids at the park. Touching on what you just said, I was able to pull off things a lot faster than those big corporate generations uh because I already had you know my license and everything mm-hmm. to to serve food yeah, out kitchen. of the restaurant. Yeah. So this food is coming out of the restaurant. So there was there was nothing that the city could do. Uh, uh, the the only thing is, was I was giving away for free. Hmm. But um, so yeah, I was I was able to cut through all. There was no red tape to cut through. Right, and uh, you know it 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 started a huge impact uh, uh, very fast. And my mother, she she had a few moments where. She was like, you know, people are just taking advantage of the situation. And I said, well, you don't know what people are going through. Some people went from two-income families to no-income families in the blink of an eye. They just spent their income tax on a new car uh, because they didn't know a pandemic was coming. So, you know, rightfully so. They should try to stack some stuff up in their cupboards and, you know, prepare themselves. And besides that, don't worry about that. Just count the blessings that are going to fall on your head. Matter of fact, just figure out how many chips are in each bag and count each one of those as a blessing. And then you'll see you know what a what an impact you're 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 pulling off really fast her and my sister they just cuz you know when somebody pulls up and they have no kids in the car and they say hey, can we get 20 lunches <laughs> you know you know normal person's eyebrows going to you know lift up like what you say to 20 and yeah, just give them 20 don't worry about it and uh that's how we that's how we operate it uh, and still operate today, you know. People still there's still some families in need um, that come every single day, and I know how many exactly they're gonna they're gonna need. So I feel really uh blessed to be someone else's blessing uh in in this time. It's just it's amazing. I had you know my family there with me. We all kind of were basically staying together. So the, the the kids would at least have somebody to play with, mm-hmm. and then you know the grownups. All we're doing is staying in this building, working, and then we all go home. So we're kind of protecting ourselves, right? You've got but, your own
0: bubble going. Yeah, uh,
1: and uh, but at the same time, we were you know all becoming closer because my my oldest first cousin, um, my mother's sister, was murdered. Back in uh mid to late 80s, so uh, there was the, the fiber of our family had been torn apart a little bit. And uh, this gave us a chance to all come back together. Hmm. She brought all of her kids and grandkids and everybody was able to, you know, and I, after a while, after a, a couple, two, three weeks of thousands of lunches a day, I started telling those youngsters because I had some teenagers in there. I was like, "Y'all need to take a picture. Y'all need to be when y'all are making these sack lunches. Y'all need to be taking pictures of this and and you know enjoying this because y'all are making history. Y'all are yeah. y'all are doing something that nobody will ever in their life be able to say that they were a part of. And they didn't they didn't really understand. You know, young kids don't understand stuff like that, but. I understood, and uh, it's been an amazing honor.
0: I want to switch gears a little bit bit before we move on to the next part because I I know that your position with the lunches put you in a position of leadership in the community, Uh, maybe raised your profile, even though it had been pretty high already with Lees. And because of that, you've lately turned your attention to uh, to other issues, you know, where places where, you know, in, in communities in neighborhoods maybe that had been forgotten a little bit by the city uh, or underserved, you've, you've started hauling trash away. You know, you've started advocating and, and being a, a bit more of an activist on behalf of, of some of those neighborhoods. And so tell me about that. Tell me about the trash.
1: You got to know a little bit of history and you, you got to accept history. This, this whole country and, and, you know, there's social unrest and there's a, a pandemic going on and uh, people have to be very sensitive and, and and even more so compassionate to the things going on. Because if you, if you think about when uh, a certain group of people were told uh, that they couldn't do what they wanted to do with their property, there was a revolt, and that revolt was called the Civil War. Uh, just a little bit before that, when the people thought they were oppressed by a, a king and a dictatorship, uh, they 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 took action, and that little that little revolt was called the American Revolution. So now here we are in, in this day and time. You know, I got this shirt on I'm proudly serving in the war on injustice. Mm-hmm. I mean, you uh you have to take into account that um the infrastructure that this country was uh, set up on was was separate. It started out separate, so if one of uh, the powers that be have something over here, they're going to make this uh just just natural human instinct they're going to they have the materials and the the means to make the best in the world and that's what the United States stands on then theirs is automatically going to be better than the other people that have been oppressed for so long mm-hmm. even if uh you know in slavery people were freed you have to realize that there's Railroad tracks in the middle of every city, town, in and, and almost every state of this country that divides the city between a, a black neighborhood and a white neighborhood. Right. A superior versus an inferior. So that is uh, where the trash comes in. There was a national cleanup day. There's been national cleanup days. There is a national cleanup day that every... Year On a Saturday, coordinators get together and they help clean up respective neighborhoods. They spread out. Uh, This year, they uh, went at it by elementary schools. So there's 37, 38, uh, some odd elementary schools in town. Everybody who volunteers to be a coordinator picks an elementary school and you know, coordinates, drums up, uh, recruits that will help them on that Saturday to pick up trash. My daughter goes to Carver, and she goes to GW Carver now, Big Carver, uh, ECA Carver, uh, early early childhood Carver is right down 12th Street. So coincidentally, I, I took Carver, that meant I took both, Carver okay. campuses. So I had a uh, area that stretched from Amarillo Boulevard to North 24th street and from Hughes all the way to McMaster's.
0: That's a big area.
1: Very big chunk of real estate. And I drive this neighborhood every day because I just live right over there in North Heights, just on the other side of Hughes. So I'm thinking they have their own coordinator and things are going to get done over there. I saw a huge problem. uh Right, you know, this is weeks before the Saturday. Okay. You know, we had meetings, uh, passing out yellow shirts so we can all get photo ops and all this other stuff. Uh, meeting with the mayor to proclaim the day as such and all of that. I rode around that neighborhood and I said, well, if I'm going to make any kind of impact, then I need to start early. So I have my week off and... Me and my neighbor, his pickup, my Suburban with a trailer on it, we just start going down streets. We couldn't even make it down uh, two streets uh, without having to – we couldn't even make it down a street or down a alley, a block of an alley without running into couches and mattresses and everything. So I called the coordinator of the the whole thing because we were getting free dumping Mm -hmm. on that Saturday. And I said, I need free dumping. Now, so you you need to we're gonna fill them. up our yeah. Well, there's no we need to go to the dump every single. So we were going to the dump five six times a day for two weeks. But then some guys saw me on on TV. Dan and Jacob. Dan just so happens to own a thirty some odd foot flatbed trailer. Dan Zwink and so Dan
0: Zwink and Jacob Breeden. Breeden,
1: yes. They just showed up one day and was like, well, we're tired of, you know, you're embarrassing us. We're over here uh, just living our lives and and being lazy bums, and here you are, feeding thousands of people, and then you're you're hauling off trash for this other. So we're gonna help you. They came, and that's when we really started moving some trash, 7,000 pound loads. Mm -hmm. uh, By the end of the Sunday, 'Cause Saturday we had the Paladero uh, uh football team came out, Coach Fisher and all his assistants. Uh I had a little bit of a turnout from uh, uh some other uh community members. So that Saturday I really just wanted them to pick up trash. Uh but we had some bigger guys, so they hopped in some trucks and and, and uh hopped on the flatbed and really helped move some stuff we still didn't get the problem licked we still had to work that very next day saturday and uh we removed another phew, like 15,000 pounds all told close to 80,000 pounds hmm. out of that section of uh the city and uh this is documented this is every time we went across the scale we write the numbers down and you know we know exactly how much it was 78,562 pounds, trash.
0: I want to talk about why, because, you know, let's say that, that day, you know, based at the elementary schools, here in the Puckett neighborhood, volunteers probably went around with some trash bags and they picked up some Tootin' Totem cups. That's it. You know, and maybe, maybe they had a, a few trash bags full of that because of the wind, you know? <laughs> in the north heights neighborhood or in some of the neighborhoods you know where you were there's thousands of pounds of couches and mattresses and and all those things uh, that had been thrown out right maybe not thrown out responsibly but also had not been like picked up or managed for years well, why is that
1: exactly that that the only thing i can say is um it's just just neglect uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's oversight uh you 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 have a A a wheel that's in motion, and it appears to be working for everybody because nobody's saying that the wheel is broken. But you know, the wheel never the the wheel has never been inspected. Hmm. The wheel has never been checked uh, uh, to to find that there's many spokes uh, uh, missing, and that was that was the reason why. You know, I volunteered. Just to show my daughter, just continue, to be a community activist, you have to stay engaged. You have to uh, uh, reinvent yourself, your cause, your purpose. Uh, uh, you know, when Martin Luther King was killed, he had went from civil rights to labor rights. You know, that's where he went when he was in in Nashville and was assassinated. He was there for a, a labor convention to speak for them. Yeah, I, I do all the fun stuff of feeding lunches and the festivities and the trunk treats and back to school parties, water balloon fights. But uh, then here I am finding myself in the trenches, you know, picking up nasty, dirty couches and, you know, the city. I knew already that they were going to uh, uh, give me that hogwash, oh, COVID-19 uh, set us back and da, da 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 but this
0: was this had not been just a 2020 problem i mean no. that's trash that had been building no. for years yeah right?
1: i i have pictures of 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 things that have been laying there uh, maybe a decade so it,
0: i know that in the fallout of that as as prominent as you've been um, with your leadership role and and the photos that you're posting i know that you ended up you know Getting the attention of the city of Amarillo and having some meetings with them. Absolutely. How do you? I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you feel hopeful that maybe some of those things that needed to be pointed out are getting on their radar?
1: I'm hopeful, but I'm, I'm still skeptical. Uh, the the city of Amarillo and government as a as a whole, uh, the whole infrastructure is broken. You know, when you th- you talk about government. You know, it's broken from the top. When when the Constitution was written, uh, black men were written in as three fifths mm-hmm. of a man. So, and that was the Missouri Compromise, you know, uh, doctrine where uh, uh, they weren't going to give even they hadn't even talked about voting yet, but they weren't going to count a black vote as much as a white vote, even. When we do decide to give them right, the right, to right. vote, right, right, just in terms so, of representation, just, the numbers, exactly. So um, that trickles all the way down to uh, you know local city and town governments too. Uh, they they win their elections by you know drawn uh, voting voting lines within within their city, and if uh, a part of the city ever feels neglected especially a part of the city that has never been neglected before, mm-hmm. it's easy to to get used to a wound that's already been there festering and, and uh, hurt. You can finally just, just deal with the pain. But if you ever neglect someone who's never tasted the bitterness of neglect, then— you're going to have some problems on your hands. And that's what city officials are up against, you know, mayors and, and, you know, city councilmen. They'll be ousted out of there if, you know, in the efforts to lift up one community, you start neglecting another, Mm -hmm. then you're going to have some problems. So that's where I uh, decided and I told them, uh, you know, we were sitting there and they were giving me that runaround
0: well, because oh, you got um, mattresses out there with trees growing up through them. Yeah, I mean, that's how long they've exactly.
1: been there. Exactly. So uh, uh, they, they knew right then that, you know, and I I just really stopped the meeting right there. I was just like, you know what? We were able to do it over on that uh, uh, west side of Hughes Street, and I'm really pissed off because, you know, I live on the, the east side of, of Hughes Street, and the same, I got couches in my alley behind my house now, and I could have volunteered to clean up that neighborhood and and made it, you know. So that uh, keep Amarillo clean, uh, national cleanup day, uh, as humble as uh, that project was, it failed. Uh, the disenfranchised once again, you know. And and in, in my latest meeting with the mayor, I was like when you're disenfranchised and you you haven't seemed to win and and that's what people don't understand is we're not just we're not just mad at the police it's not a police brutality thing it's a disenfranchisement thing we are totally we totally don't trust any authorities not just the police city officials mayors You know, as a black man, we just know that we're going to get the short end of the stick on, you know, every every level. Uh, The one on injustice, you can just it doesn't have to be a, a black or white thing. It could be a trash thing. You know, it could be a neighborhood thing. And this needs to be pointed out because it's not just black people that live in North Heights or, you know, San Jacinto or any any. You know, particular place in town over here on the, the south side of town. It's not just white people that live over here, but it's it's a systematic uh, form of neglect. They they think that it's all right. It's been okay for so long. So why are we why are we even gonna talk about it? It's just so swept under the rug. I don't want to shame the city into some movement, but. Some some things have to change and and the the neglect has to stop. People in those respective neighborhoods have to better educate themselves. Uh but also, you know, I just stepped out there because uh if you want to be free, if you feel like you're shackled up and, and nobody's saying you have to remain shackled, you have to try to free yourself. Hmm. You know, there's no watchdog over me. If I if I got these handcuffs on me, these chains, but there's nobody there to to tell me that I can't be free. Then if I just sit there and wither and die, then that's my own fault. Hmm. But if I rip and tear and try to find a way to break these shackles, then that's uh to my favor, and that's what I I felt uh, I I was I'm doing uh. You know, and I catch heat from all sides. Uh, not necessarily heat, but uh, uh, people scrutinize me. Why are you doing the city's job? And uh, the, the, the the pickup program works just fine over here. And, you know, everybody can, can say whatever they want to say. But until they uh, come out there and pick up a couch or two with me, then I don't really care what they got to say.
0: This episode is brought to you by SKP Creative. SKP is a full-service marketing agency, and I asked them what they wanted to communicate this time around. Right now, they want to encourage you to wear a mask. Active COVID cases are way worse right now, here in November, than any time during our shutdown in the spring. The hospital ICUs are full, ambulances are working overtime, city officials are getting more and more worried. The cold weather has driven people indoors and that's why positive cases are ticking up. So wear a mask anytime you're out and about, anytime you're out in public and you can't maintain a safe distance from people. We're eight months into understanding this virus and it's clear that masks are effective in controlling its spread. So keep your friends, family, coworkers, and neighbors safe by masking up. Thanks again to SKP Creative at skpcreative.com. Okay, I'm back with Tremaine Brown. Tremaine, this is part of the show I call Eight Straight. Uh, Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes at least eight different cooking tools that would have been included in a chuck wagon. You've never cooked out of a chuck wagon or anything like that before, have you? I've cooked (laughs) chuck wagon style, though. I can imagine you have. You probably could use something like that in the park. Um, Learn more about uh, Panhandle Plains at panhandleplains.org. Um, I'm always impressed with how those guys used to feed like a whole herd of cowboys, you know okay. with just this little little wooden contraption you yeah know? that's
1: how that's how brisket became so popular on the range because the brisket is really the toughest piece of meat you know they just cut that out and then they start working on the steaks and uh-huh. the, all that kind of stuff and but you you smoke a brisket while you're traveling and by the time you get you know you got you got something real good so that's uh
0: that's how that. Thanks to the Cowboys for that, that one, thanks right?
1: Thanks to the Cowboys for brisket.
0: Okay, my first question is one I've been asking uh, guests uh, over the summer and into the, into the fall. But what's one thing the last few months, whether it's related to the pandemic or the protests, have revealed to you about Amarillo?
1: Well, the Amarillo spirit is really strong. Uh, we we have a different situation going on here. Yes, we we are in social unrest. Uh, there's been uh, uh, following the George Floyd instance, and in the midst of this pandemic, uh, the Panhandle spirit has has shone real bright in Amarillo. Uh, and I'm really proud, proud of uh, everybody, uh, you know, for their opinion, for their voice, uh, but proud that uh, uh, cooler heads always were there and took care of, uh, of the situation. So that was, that was great. But uh, you know, in, in, on the pandemic side, I've just seen so many different organizations uh, uh, along with myself that have stepped up to help. And uh, that's just a really great thing. You know, you live in a, a big city like uh, Dallas, Houston, it's easy to forget people and people, a lot of people get left behind and go hungry and, and things of that nature. Uh, here in Amarillo, I'm just really proud uh, to say that I'm from Amarillo and uh, to be a part of uh, of the solution and, and not part of the problem.
0: All right, what does this area have too much of? Trash. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I could say I could say trash uh, on the north side. They definitely, uh, but that's really hard to 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 answer. I can speak on it from my knowledge. And my uh, perspective, Amarillo has too many naysayers. They 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 talk the good talk, but when it comes down to putting your hands on something or getting something done, uh, they 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 fall short. And there would uh be a lot more uh things happening, impactful things, really impactful change if. Uh, some leaders would uh uh lead instead of uh just talk.
0: Okay. What does this area not have enough of?
1: Well, I just made a trip to uh Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, Selma, Mobile, all through that historical area, you know, soaking in some of the vibes from uh Dr. Martin Luther King and the 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 boycott of Montgomery and uh we were we were driving from Montgomery to Selma and that was a 54 mile uh drive and you know along the way you know it you know they have a the little sign saying the march from Selma to Montgomery Alabama and uh you know I'm riding in the car with some people and I was like y'all do realize that these people marched from Selma yeah. all the way to the capital in Montgomery, this whole 54 miles, some of them wearing suits. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah. You remember when we marched from City Hall to uh, Sam Houston Park and everybody was bitching? Yeah. Try marching 54 two miles. Two miles? Yeah. Yeah, two, two and a half miles maybe. It was a hot but, day. But, um, you know, uh, it it just doesn't have an, enough leaders the churches back then for the black community the churches were the the focal point of leadership and uh right now the the churches uh have let their respective congreg- congregations down uh but you know as i've grown older older uh i figured out that the church is one of the most divisive elements uh in our society so uh, maybe they're not in a position to lead anymore. But I know there's some leaders out there, and, I and you know, that's why I do what I do is uh, in hopes that it will become contagious and, and someone who is has the means – because I'm poor. I, I tell you straight up, me and my daughter, you know, if, if people don't come eat at Shiley's, then uh, we would have to hang it up. And I have to go back to my – my, my God-given knowledge and ability to have the aptitude to go work in somebody's office or uh, go work in somebody's warehouse or whatever the case may be. If more leaders would would step forward and urge the city to be better, and not just part of the city, the whole city mm-hmm. collectively, to be better. You know, a, a leader, uh, me and the mayor, we, we spoke for a couple hours uh, just this past Saturday and uh, just me and her, no cameras, no nothing. And she was telling me about leadership and, uh, you know, how how she respected me and so on and so forth. And I said, well, are you going to give uh, Amarillo a, a leader that they can respect? Somebody who that, that doesn't just along for the ride. Somebody that, you know, shakes up some things, you know, corrects some things. You know, because you can either you can be a a mayor that, you know, just goes with the status quo or you can be a mayor that makes the gets the, the biggest bang out of her two year buck mm-hmm. of her term that she can get and, and really, you know, invoke some change. And then I'll be able to say, you know, that Ginger Nelson, she only served a short amount of time and we all understand why, but she said what she she said what she was going to do and by damn she she got after it so you know it was a you know yeah you you respect me as a leader but give me something to respect you as a leader for so and you know city council members uh l- leaders in the community and the business community they have to uh you know really realize in their heart of hearts that uh things aren't on on a level playing field you can pick your arena it it doesn't matter uh uh what arena you pick injustice is injustice so um, that's uh that's what that's what the town needs more of leadership that's genuine and true and pure uh not leadership that's greedy and and self-loathing and and wanting all the, the credit for things
0: and how do you describe Amarillo to people outside this area well like i
1: said i'm i'm really proud uh of Amarillo we're we're an example for many you know towns of our size um for the most part our crime rate uh was 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 not that of of you know cities of of our size but um it's it's really you know it's it's country living but in a city setting okay so it it uh makes you kind of feel right at home, not too busy, not too hustle and bustle, but at the same time you you have that element to where you can you can get some things done and and you're not under the, you know, you're not in children's Texas. Yeah. Uh you at least got a few Walmarts that you can go to. But uh you know, but uh, people People can still speak to one another when they pass each other in the mall or in the grocery store and it's not so big to where everybody's so standoffish. It doesn't really matter if you're everybody speaks to me now. I mean they I can't go anywhere. I I can't do anything. I have to you, know, <laughs> you
0: gotta be, gotta be well behaved. People know you now.
1: Yeah, I gotta be well behaved because they 'Cause they're gonna be like, There he is. And uh but uh you know people were always uh uh really welcoming and and that's all throughout my whole life it's it's been that home that home cooking homespun kind of feeling uh, my entire life Uh, so even though you you know about the separation and the 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 neglect and and this side of town is different from that side of town and any of that it's still has always uh, wherever you go, it felt like home. Okay, you weren't too much out of place.
0: I'm going to ask you a question about another restaurant. When was the last time you went to the Big Texan? The Big Texan. It's been
1: it's been uh, several birthdays ago. I used to have this way before the uh, Charlie's. I used to always go because I like I love a bloody steak. So mm-hmm. they give you that bloody prime rib. Uh, on your birthday and, uh, yeah, you get a free prime rib. So it, but it's been, it's been at least 10 years since I got okay. to the big Texan. Yeah. But you know, a lot of folks, uh, we get so many travelers make their way to Shalee's. I always ask them, now how, how did you get here? What, what, what'd you do? Because you come in on I forty, you mm-hmm. see big big tall John or whatever his name is, you know, and everybody knows about the big Texans. You don't have anyway. a big
0: dinosaur out in front of yeah, your place, you exactly.
1: know. Exactly. So uh how did and you know, yeah, we just we just said, Google, give us some good food. And Shali's popped up mm-hmm. right up in the top five. So
0: All right. Google yeah, comes are, through then. Yeah. So other than your own, what's your favorite local restaurant? Uh where do you eat when you want to go out somewhere? It kind of depends.
1: I, I really like Kabuki. Hmm. I, I like to patronize all of the small uh, mom and pop uh, Mexican uh, restaurants. Cause mm-hmm. They really, they really have some really good food. Uh, David's uh, is an, is a fairly new restaurant in town, Mexican restaurant that uh, is really good. Where is it? Uh, they just opened up a second location, but the first location is uh, over there on Hastings, where Big Daddy's Barbecue oh, okay. used to be, right behind that Tuttle Totem on okay. Hastings. But they opened up a second uh, location somewhere downtown, so they're pretty good. But uh, you know your your La Fronteras uh, and and things of that nature, all all of the hole in the wall okay. places. Uh, I frequent I have a extensive palate. see. you know, I I I've eaten, you know, when you're when you're from childress, I mean, you've already eaten rattlesnake and uh uh rabbits and you know, so I always like to try new restaurants and the you walk into a place, it's maybe a little run down, but you can feel that love. That's where I want to be. All right,
0: Amarillo's got plenty of those. Yeah, then. got plenty. Okay, my last question here is: What's your favorite thing on the menu at Shiley's?
1: My favorite thing on the menu at Shiley's when I'm just and I've been telling my mother, my sister, my uncle for ten years that if somebody's staring at our at our menu because we got an extensive menu mm-hmm. and then we hit you with about fifteen other soul food sides, but if you're standing there standing looking at that menu. Always suggest the chicken fried chicken. Okay. I've named it the Comeback Kid. If you get the chicken fried chicken on your first visit at Shiley's, it almost guarantees that you'll come back. All That's right. how good it is. That's
0: good to know. I've not had your chicken fried chicken, chicken before.
1: Chicken fried chicken. And Texas is a big chicken fried steak yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, place. But, you know, that chicken fried chicken... Uh, A tenderized chicken breast, whitewashed, deep fried, smothered in our cream-style gravy with a little drizzle of barbecue sauce. Man, years ago, was like, who came up with, what is that red stuff? Is that the barbecue sauce? He said, whoever came up with that drizzle of barbecue sauce on top of that gravy is a genius. (laughs) I said, that would be me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Jermaine, that concludes the 8th Street. I'd like to have uh, to ask my guests one more thing before they leave, and that's to endorse something. Is, any, is there anything locally that you would want listeners to know about or to experience?
1: I would love for uh, my listeners to uh, patronize uh, uh, North Heights uh, Discount Store and Cafe. Okay, uh, They brought some uh, real great positivity into the neighborhood. Of course, uh, Delvin's is uh, is another place. Combs and Cuts and uh 118 uh 118 Classic Cuts mm-hmm. downtown Combs and Cuts I really uh those are those are some uh businesses that have helped me in the, in the in the past in in my endeavors so uh I love that you know I know how hard it is to jump out on faith and open up a business and do some things so yeah if you uh, ever get a chance to go by any of those places need a haircut or or need some grub, for sure those are a couple places that
0: you should try. Okay. Tremaine Brown, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Tremaine for the interview and especially for his tireless work serving Amarillo people. I'm just, I'm super impressed with what he's done. Go eat at Shiley's if you haven't done so yet. Get the chicken fried chicken. He recommends it. I haven't had it, but uh, I'll trust him on that. Thanks to SKP Creative for sponsoring the show and to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for sponsoring eight straight every week. This episode and all the other episodes are edited by Angelina Marie. Hey, you can follow this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you're wondering what my guests look like because I always post a photo of me and the guest. And if you want to join the local people who support this podcast financially, visit patreon.com slash Supporters of Hey Amarillo through Patreon include executive producers Barbara and Jim Witten, Chriselda, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Wilson Lemieux, Wes Reeves, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Jess Heredia, Neil Nassiman, Joshua Rafe, and Ryan Pennington. This has been episode 170. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.